0: to the Arsenal Ramble.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to the Arsenal Ramble, where today we're going to be discussing the Premier League home clash against Everton. As always, I'm joined by my co-rambler Dom. How are you, mate? You good? Did you enjoy your uh, Everton
0: matchday experience? That's the real question. How, how was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was really good, um, but. Today, I'm feeling really tired because uh, with it being a midweek fixture, I had to do a bit of rejigging with work. So I had to, you know, go down, watch the game in London because we're not we're not from London. We're from Lincolnshire. So it's it's about an hour and a half journey each way. Um, so I had to do that. And then I was then working today at eight in the morning. So I'm absolutely knackered. Mm-hmm. But What a way to get me through that by witnessing the Arsenal win 4-0. It was a very delightful day. And what I want to say as well, it's the first Premier League game that I've been able to actually attend to this season. Mm -hmm. And my god, the atmosphere was absolutely spectacular. It was it was so good throughout the whole game, even even the build up. When you're in the in the pubs outside, we went to the twelve pins in Foonsbury Park, which we're quite familiar with. Um, and yeah, you saw that everyone was buzzing, and th- you, you could tell that it was um, more of the regular crowd that goes. Because when we went to the uh, cup games earlier in the season, there. Uh, uh, it's nice to have different sort of crowds there, but when there's more um, kids and families and things that go and not the regular season ticket holders, et cetera, it's, it's not as raucous as it was tonight. So, yeah, it, it was a, yeah. a real, really decent matchday experience for me. Yeah, man, you picked a, you could have picked a better
1: game, really, could you? Because these absolute thrashings only come every like once in a blue moon, don't they? And to, to witness the thrashing of Sean Dyches Everton only weeks after we lost to them, you know, so, you know, you get to see that revenge fixture and um, yeah, just mega, mega jealous really, you know, but, but what a game. Uh, I, I also was uh, um pretty buzzing because uh, like you say, we're from Lincolnshire, but I was born in Grimsby. So I do have, you know, affiliations with, with Grimsby town still uh, as being my uh, local team who managed to, Beat Southampton and get themselves into the quarter final of the FA Cup, um, which you know for a, for a, a League Two team is is unheard of, um, and this is massive for a for a lower division team because the money it generates just from ticket sales and things like that, which they get, you know, is is going to be huge for them. So that was also you know great to see, and then also Tottenham. Losing to Sheffield
0: United, getting knocked out as well. What a night. What a night. Yeah, I don't think you could have asked for much more on a on a night like last night, could you? (laughs) Literally, your your two teams that you're affiliated with both came through. Arsenal absolutely thrashing Everton, and then as you say, Grimsby going through, and then Spurs getting knocked out. It was it was just perfect, really, wasn't it? Um, It it could have been made better if maybe Man United got knocked out, but you know you can't ask for everything, can you? Um, But yeah, it was it was a really good evening. It was um, even from uh, it was the first time as well when I went to the that they sung the north london forever song where everybody kind of knew the words and everyone was singing along to it mm. whereas like earlier on in the season they'd play it and everyone was looking around like does he know the next line or like whatever the web yeah i don't know but yeah, it, was, it was really good and you saw that it really galvanized all the players and Really, from the off, we could tell that we we were baying for blood and we wanted to get that. Um, that there, there was a needle to the game. There was definitely revenge in mind from the Arsenal boys. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It seemed. Well, to be fair, the first
1: thirty-five, forty, you could see that there was a little bit of pressure going on there. Were there a little bit of, a, oh God, it's this low block again. How are we going to break it down? But once we'll get into it obviously in a bit. But but once they got into the groove, it was just the floodgates were open, weren't they? And it was just. You know, see you later. Um, yeah, but before we get into all that, let, let's sort of rewind a little bit and and talk around the team sheets. So basically, we were unchanged from Leicester. Um, I mean, in my opinion, if it ain't broke, you don't you don't fix it. Um I suppose the one caveat to that is is obviously around Partey, uh, and if he's fit, he obviously walks back into the team, but. I don't think he he necessarily is 100% match fit yet. So
0: it made sense to me. Did it make sense to you? Yeah, it did. Um, And you touched on it a little bit there. Um, I thought the only... um, thing that we might have been changing is because of fitness really Um, and it's just a testament to how fit our players are the fact that they can play uh, at the weekend and then field the same team basically again in midweek and then I'm sure we probably will be starting this same team again at the weekend Um, you know Arteta's a firm believer of when he's found something that works he doesn't like to change it does he so yeah I I was really happy especially because of how convincing we'd been with this team Um, especially at Leicester they only had a 0.01 xg against us so it's a really good setup from the back and then yeah i was i was really happy to see uh, i feel bad for inkettia because of how well he's done when he came in but obviously his form's dropped off so um yeah Mm. i I was happy to then see martinelli and chossard be dovetailing up top again Mm.
1: yeah i mean it it seemed to work really well didn't it against leicester so so why change it essentially and i think I think, again, it, it, it worked brilliant today. Uh, not today, yesterday. We are recording the day after. Um, but, yeah, I thought it, it worked brilliantly, the interchange. And, and often, sometimes, you'd see Martinelli pop out on the right. You'd see Saka go on the inside forward. And you'd see Xhaka out on the left wing. Like it, it was, There might be a formation on paper, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's going to play out. Um so I think it's really interesting to have a player like Trossard in this in this posi- in this team, essentially, because he's got so much more to his Arsenal than 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 Nketiah, Let's be honest. I love Inquietia. I, I really do love him. I think he's done great since coming in the team. But there's limitations to his game, and there's certain certain aspects of Trossard's game that really bring out the players around him. So uh, you know, I think that was great to see and. um yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's probably going to be
0: how we start at the weekend too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the good thing about our team now is there is real fluidity throughout the whole team. So not even just those front three players. Um, so if we're going to be going into our first goal that we actually scored today, Zinchenko, who is our left back, found himself in the half space on the right flank to then be able to pick out an absolutely superb pass through to Saka, who, wow, he just gets the ball on the spin, Uh, takes it out of his feet. And then this is a finish, which I think is starting to be a bit of um, a bit of a trademark for Saka because we're so used to him being really, uh, really effective with his left foot. Um, And we almost underrate his right foot ability. But this was a similar goal to the one that he scored against Leeds earlier in the season where he, he, from the same sort of position where he absolutely rifles the ball into the top of the net. Um, and I think mm. that's pretty much one of the only places he can put it to be able to beat the keeper unless he has really good placement um, in the far corner. But on, as I say, on your weaker foot, it's quite difficult to go for placement. It is better just to go for power. Um, so, yeah, that was an unbelievable goal. And it all started through Zinchenko and him having license mm. to be, well, wherever he wants to be on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah. I thought Zinchenko had an
1: absolutely amazing game. Probably the best game I've seen in an Arsenal shirt from Zinchenko. I think he pretty much had a hand in all of our goals. Maybe apart from the the uh, the Martinelli one, the the first Martinelli goal. Um, mm. He was instrumental, wasn't he? He was he was brilliant. Um, was there ever a point in the game, in that first forty minutes, where you were thinking, "Is this going to be similar to the first game? Is is this going to be?" Uh, another scrappy nil-nilly or maybe, you know, they nick a goal from a set-piece type situation again. Did, did, you, did that ever come into your mind or do you think it was a matter of time? It was just about patience?
0: Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't think that, Um, especially after we hadn't scored for what was going on 35, 40 minutes or so. Um, I was getting pretty worried. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's only natural to be like that as well, um, especially with our recent performances and even against this team that we played. Um, So, yeah, I was getting a little bit worried, um, but... I saw enough from the guys in the first half, um, up until the point that we scored that I, I was feeling quite confident that we're better than these. We shouldn't have even lost to these in the first game that we played against them. And Everton really didn't create much at all in that first half. So yeah, I, I was I was feeling like it could have just been a matter of time, but it was essential that we did actually end up scoring that first goal, or else, you know, it's it's pointless, isn't it? So yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, the timing of that goal. Well, the first, the first two goals were were crucial. It sort of put the nail in the coffin, didn't it? And it allowed us to to open the floodgates in the second half. Um, but yeah, just going on to Saka's goal a little bit more. What an absolute brilliant player he is! He, you know, he just any sniff at goal, and he's taking it. He's so clinical, and. Um, like we're just saying, it's exactly what we needed at that point in time because he was getting triple double manned out on the, on the wide by um, um, McNeil. Is it? I uh, can't, can't remember the um, mm. the other player um, for Everton. But uh, you know, he was essentially just getting absolutely no space to do what he needed to do. But obviously, the brilliant Zinchenko unlocked that beautiful pass, and and yeah, it's honestly it's. Um, It's amazing to see, and I've I've got a a lovely little stat here as well. Um, Of Saka's 10 Premier League goals that he scored this season, all of them have either been goals to give Arsenal the lead or equalizers. So it just goes to show, like, what an absolute
0: clutch player he is, you know? Yeah, exactly. And um, people started to say that Bikai Osaka, he's a bit of a big game player, but. I would go as far as to say Bukayo Saka is an every-game player because, as you show, literally in the Premier League, you're going to have times where you do go 1-0 down against these lower end-of-the-table uh, teams. It, it's going to happen. Um, and if you don't have the bottle to be able to bring yourself back into the game um, or you know if you're struggling or you're coming up against it, you, you need a player like Bukayo Saka who's going to step up and then just notch and then brings you straight back in the team and then you can tell as soon as we equalise or we go in front the belief in this squad is unbelievable you can see that everyone it's almost like with Arsenal that our confidence really I mean, it's probably the same for every team, but our confidence really does go up an extra level when we do go ahead. Uh, we, you feel like mm. we're not going to lose the game. As soon as we go ahead or we equalise, we're then going to push on and score the next goal. And for Bakaya Saka to be doing that week in, week out, against any team in the league pretty much it's it's unbelievable how important he is to our whole setup and yeah we we keep screaming out saying that we need someone who could maybe step in for because he plays so many minutes and he uh his fitness must be taking a bit of a hit from now and now and then but how can we leave him out when he performs this well every week mm. yeah he
1: he seems indestructible really because he's of all of our players, he's definitely the one that gets kicked the most. I think he's up there in the top 10 for the Premier League players as well with the most um, mm. fouls uh, against him. Um, I saw an interesting um, article by The Athletic actually talking about how he needs more protection um, from referees because it's only a matter of time before one of those fouls could result into a, you know, an injury. It's just the law of averages, isn't it? Um, but this goes for any player. It's, it's not because it's Saka or anything like that. But you know, the, the repeated fouling to try and stop him from doing his game is is something that I hope referees and uh, start taking a bit more notice of. Um, because um, yeah, if we were to go without Saka for any period of time, I think it would have a, a massive impact on our performances and um, ultimately our points gained um, from games. So. Yeah, so crucial. And it was also very, very crucial in the, the second goal, uh, which Martinelli scored, uh, because he essentially just nicked it off uh, Gay's toe, didn't he? He just sort of um, sort of prodded it along. And at first, I thought it was offside, and I think even Martinelli and Saka were in agreement like, yeah, probably offside, probably haven't got away with that one. Um, but when the uh, when they drew the lines, it was clearly just about level, just behind the ball. Um, and great finish from Martinelli. What, what was your thoughts on that goal?
0: So this was a bit of a weird one, being in the stadium, because we don't have the luxury of seeing all the replays. Um, so from my perspective, I was behind the goal that Martinelli actually scored in. Um, so I, I see Saka dispossess gay Um And it actually looked like Idriss Gay. he was he was um, stopping because he thought there might have been a foul further up in the pitch. It it didn't look like he was continuing to play. So, but I mean, you know, football, you got to play to the whistle, haven't you? So he, he looks like he's delaying himself a little bit. And then from our perspective, it it sort of looks like Saka nicks it um, to Martinelli, who does look offside. And then he, he finishes it. We still celebrate because you always celebrate when, when you put it in the net. And then When we saw that it was given offside, I think the general consensus of the ground was, yeah, fair enough. It did look offside. Like no one was really expecting it to be overturned. And so we're waiting like twenty or thirty seconds, and then that purple, uh, that purple screen of goodness came up in the corner saying VAR checking uh, potential onside or something, or checking offside of goal. And everyone was looking around at each other, thinking. Eh? it like, it did look offside but yeah we'll take it if it happens and then when it when it was given there was a massive roar everyone was because you got the feeling mm-hmm. then 2-0 at home against everton and we're playing the way that we're playing it felt like from that moment on it was just going to be a party for the rest of the mm-hmm. game to be honest so yeah, yeah that was it was yeah. so important just before half time as well and uh, yeah, absolutely buzzing that that was given. Uh, and yeah, I think on reflection when I got home and I watched the replays, it is just level, but they're only just level.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're talking centimetres, aren't we? But, but that's not what the offside rule is for, is it? It's not to rule out goals because... You know it's a centimeter in front or behind or whatever you know that's not what the rules there for so i'm glad that common sense prevailed and we didn't get we didn't get another var controversy um and, and let's be honest <laughs> we're owed one not, it was on side and we're not you know this isn't us being owed or anything like that but mm. you know I, i'm glad that we got the rub of the green on this one um but yeah like you said what what a great time to to go 2-0 up like just before the halftime whistle um that's certainly not the sales out of Everton, didn't they? And if they were ever going to get anything from that game at halftime, they knew it probably wasn't going to be today. Um, um, so the halftime whistle went and um, we saw a halftime substitution. Uh, Jorginho came off for Thomas Partey. Um, I think Jorginho has done incredibly well since he's come in to the side. Um he's deputised really really well actually um, obviously came up clutch in that Villa game with that brilliant goal I'm giving him the goal <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know he, he's been quietly just going about his game he's, he's, his tackles per game is up there with the very best or the, or the the highest of tacklers in the Premier League um, his forward passing as well is so much better than I thought um, so you know don't get me wrong I'm still happy to see Partey come back in the team but was this a substitution that you were hoping for or you know was you just happy to see Partey back on the pitch
0: yeah a bit of both really um to be honest uh, of all of his games that Jorginho has actually played I think this game that he he started in the first half I think this was his weakest performance um he lost the ball quite often i think it was four or five times he tried to make a forward pass and he over either overhit it or um it just was to no one in particular so a lot of people that are around me were calling for him to get substituted and you know he did in the end but i think even without that I've, I'm pretty sure this was like a, a, a pre-planned substitution that Arteta was going to make to give Partey at least half of the game to be able to get him back up to speed because he's he's done this, um, bring Partey on at 60th minute, then 45th minute, and then he's probably going to start the next game. So it's quite a, a wise move from Arteta. But yeah, he has deputized really well in the last few games. Um, and... Mm-hmm. To be honest, it was a substitution that we we were all happy to see in the ground just because of Jorginho's having a little bit of a dip in form. But that, that, that's not mm-hmm. to take anything away from him because he has been superb. Yeah, I think, yeah, more than anything, it's just great to see Partey back, isn't it? It's
1: nothing on on Jorginho, it's just we know how instrumental Partey is to this team. And you could even see that in the second half. Like the level went up a notch, didn't it? His his range of passing was, he was just dishing it left, right, and centre. He was actually very unfortunate not to get an assist um, for Nketiah when when he came on later in the second half. Um, Don't even remember, but it was just a looped. through ball almost Eddie Eddie controlled it pretty well but just couldn't quite beat Pickford so you know it's really unfortunate there not to to get a, a, a pretty much a worldy assist um so yeah I, I'm, I'm glad to see him back and I think um as we keep saying this run of games that we've got coming up um to have a party in it's t- in back in the team with you know mm-hmm. with other players coming into fitness as well like Smith Rowe um our bench is not is looking stronger. Our starting eleven is looking stronger. We're getting into form. It's just sort of tantalising, isn't it? Um, yeah. Jesus is, is you know is, is back training. We we all saw those photos on on social media that he put on with him. You know with the ball at his feet again. So um, everything's on the up at the minute. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just um, you know it, it's it's making me look forward to these games rather than. You know, in early February when we was in like a little rut and I was just, you know, sort of almost not not dreading the game but thinking like, you know, what are we gonna to get today? Um yeah. But now it seems like completely the opposite. And I think this
0: this result has has really compounded that. Yeah, and it's gone from us having a rut of bad results to us <clears throat> just about churning out a result to then now us having a brilliant performance whilst also having our main first 11 teams coming back from injury. So it's just been like a snowball effect over the last few weeks of uh, like a, a rise back to the top with, whilst also getting our best players back. So yeah, I'm really happy about that. Um, so should we move on a little bit to the third Arsenal goal that came in the second half Um, it was a a nice break through the midfield and it came to Xhaka who I felt like he was just kind of dilly-dallying on the ball a little bit but he's actually waiting for Trossard to go into the perfect kind of position for him to then play that ball and then when Trossard receives the ball this guy he just seems to do All of the simple things really effectively. You know, he he doesn't hesitate on the ball. He gets the ball, gets his head down, sprints to the byline, gets his head up, sees that Odegaard's running in, um, plays it back to Odegaard, who all he needs to do is just get a contact with the ball and it goes in. And Mm. it's just a testament, really, to to how good Trossard's been this season that all he needs to do is just get the ball and run at a player. And we've scored a third. Yeah, he's
1: he's just so direct, isn't he? And tricky with his feet, and and defenders don't know whether to get close to him or to back off because he's just so unpredictable with what he can do. Um, like like I say, you don't want to give him too much space because he can. Yeah, he's deceiving with his pace, you know. Like a lot of people have been sort of saying, you know, he's he's not he's not the fastest, but he's got little short bursts, you know. I, I can see that in him, um, and you know, this goal sort of shows that in in a, in a sense because. Um, he showed brilliant and direct pace to get into that position to to cut it back for Odegaard and um I'm really glad Odegaard's got a goal uh, in this fixture because um mm-hmm. you know it's it dried up a little bit in recent games and and when Odegaard's scoring and being creative that is when we're at our best so if we can get
0: a, an Odegaard nice and confident then then I'm all for it yeah, definitely. Uh, and as you say, he, he has had a bit of a dip in form, as have all of our team uh, over that period. But it's good to see him getting back again uh, amongst the goals again. Um, and yeah, I, I felt like, you know, with 3-0 up with Cruising, we didn't really have any sort of threat posed against us at all which is a testament to how well Saliba and especially Gabriel I thought um one thing that we did um, miss uh, just bring it back briefly was in the first half he made uh, an outstanding last ditch tackle on uh, I think it was on Neil Mope um which you know that that could have been the um Catalyst for Everton maybe nicking a goal on us, so yeah, it's important not to glaze over that fact. Um, but yeah, and also retrospectively, uh, when Neil Mopé got substituted, I celebrated heavily because I have a, <laughs> a, bit of a, a bit of a vendetta against him. I don't, I don't dislike many footballers, but for ones that I do, it's Neil Mopé and probably Rich Allison as well. But yeah,
1: <laughs> oh, the TV and cameras proper. Zoomed in on no yeah. pay as well. And it, it was proper salty <laughs> as he went off. He was almost crying just because
0: how, how much, you know, that he'd just been absolutely battered. Um So it's yeah. absolutely great to see. The thing is, as well, he was so ineffective when he played um, to the point that he came off for, I think it was Damari Gray. And he, Damari Gray, actually ended up having like a half chance pretty much straight away when he came on. So that's got to be a kick in the teeth to Neil Mopé. Uh, I don't want Everton to have any half chances against us. But if it's to the detriment of Mopé's confidence, then so be it. <laughs> Yeah, how Damari Gray doesn't start over Mopé is
1: absolutely baffling, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure if it's because he's more of a winger or, you know, an inside forward, but how is like he's had an absolutely terrible season, hasn't he? He's been nowhere near what he was doing at Brighton. So, yeah, to see him get subbed off and just look absolutely salty as it was just, it was great to see. So... Less than ten minutes later, um and you could sort of see it. it was almost like how many goals are we gonna to get today uh, in this second half, um especially, um, but yeah, less than ten minutes later after the the Odegaard goal, um, it really just started to float in there Eddie and came on um, and grabbed himself a nice little assist um for Martinelli to finish off at the nice uh, at the near post. Um, again, another. Really well taken goal. Uh, part of me thinks Everton had almost given up by this point, but you know the floodgates were open. It was just a wave of attack after wave of attack, wasn't it? It was almost yeah, like I say, how how many can we get? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think they had given up slightly, but um, it is a really well-created goal. Um, again, from Zinchenko, actually, um, he found himself on the left-hand side in that half-space, so it just shows you that the, the uh, how much he's allowed to be given that licence to go anywhere along along the front. Um, but yeah, he plays it into Nketiah, as you say, and um, what, that's one thing that's good about Nketiah is the fact that he didn't score today and he had a really good opportunity to score, but... He was still able to create for the team and he put that on a plate for Martinelli, who then scored. So I guess that is one thing that we were all saying about Jesus when he wasn't scoring, that as long as he's still creating goals and helping the team to be able to score, then we don't mind. So I guess you could always put that in there and say, yeah, K didn't score again, but he created a goal for the team. So, yeah, you've got to be happy with that.
1: Uh, Yeah, and he didn't have... You know, he didn't have a tremendous amount of minutes to to do what he can do. I, I think if he had played in this game, he would have he would have scored it at some point. There's no doubt, really. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, th- I think he did pretty well when he came on. He looked pretty electric, and and I'm um, hopefully that um, these couple of uh, appearances off the bench and you know not being in that starting eleven has just given him a bit of time to to recover um because as we've been saying in previous podcasts, he's he's not been used to playing ninety minutes week in, week out. And now the games are gonna be coming thick and fast with Europa League back. Um we're gonna to need to to rotate. So thank God that we've got a, a Trossard um to be able to to utilise at nine and um and we've also got a Jesus hopefully returning back in in, in the coming weeks. So it's actually mm-hmm. come Quite a good time, hasn't it? Um, you know, the, these things happening, um, so yeah, um, a lot to, to look yeah. forward to. Um, towards the end of the game, I think it was right at the death actually, around 93rd minute, Ramsdale pulled out an absolutely cracking save, um almost slapped the ball away <laughs> um to to keep his clean sheet but it wasn't just down to Ramsdale I felt like the whole team was sort of scrambling back to to try and defend this um you know and that just shows to me the the desire and the the togetherness of this team to to earn Ramsdale his his clean sheet um you know because he is fighting for that golden glove in the Premier League he's he's only hmm. one behind. Nick Pope now, who's leading on twelve, and Ramsdale's on eleven. So, um, and you could tell from the Amazon Prime All or Nothing documentary when there was a game in in that last season where we did concede right at the end when it was a you know a needless goal. It really affected him despite Arsenal winning. So I'm glad for Ramsdale's sake that that one stayed out and we managed to keep a clean sheet
0: yeah yeah I, i'm not gonna lie to you uh 90th minute four nil up um i was absolutely halfway to the tube station at that point um but all right <laughs>
1: but
0: yeah no, it, it is really important for especially for ramsdale because he it shows you how how much it means to him to get these clean sheets because ultimately if if we do concede even though we have a really good game and he's not really been tested all game. all then he doesn't get anything to show for it. You know. So yeah, they're gonna it's gonna mean a lot to him. And I think he uh I think he's had the most... Was it the most away clean sheets um, in a Premier League season since Jens Lehmann did in 2003? Um, I know, obviously, yesterday was a home fixture, but I I just remember seeing that stat after the Leicester City game. So that is, uh, you know, that's a real stat to have uh, on your accolades for this season. And hopefully he can pick up quite a few more and maybe be able to break some sort of personal record. But to be honest, I think for him... Uh, he's just happy for the team winning and it's just a, mm. a an icing on the cake really to get that clean sheet as well
1: yeah oh yeah 100 percent. like that you know three points on the board is is the main thing but you know when, when a game gets to that point in time when you've got a matter of minutes to see it out it's got to be played on your mind a little bit as a keeper um you know just, <laughs> you know, just a little bit longer and i've got this clean sheet under my belt um Plus, Newcastle aren't looking as good as they once were. So I can't, or, or earlier in the season, I've got a feeling that they may taper off a little bit, um, which may result in Nick Pope not keeping as many clean sheets. In the, so, you know, it, it's all a little bit irrelevant really, isn't it? Um, but, you know, it's just something that he, he's going to be thinking about. Um. So, um, full time, 4-0 what a win and this is our game in hand let's not forget um so Mm. we're now level on matches played with manchester city uh five points clear of them we're now into march if i remember rightly back in maybe november december time we were saying something like you know if we get to march and we're still in (laughs) it within a shout then we'll start thinking yeah uh, we're in a title race uh now it's March. Does feel very real, doesn't it? It does feel
0: very, you know, like we could do this. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um I feel like all season long Arsenal fans have been moving the goalposts, haven't they? They say like, Oh, if we beat Chelsea, then we can maybe start thinking about it if we beat United. And then we get through that period. If we beat Spurs, if we beat United again. And then we we were both quite concrete, weren't we? we? We said after the World Cup, I think we had a five point gap when we came out of the World Cup. But we said, if we're still in this kind of position, and um, well, still in within touching distance, I think we said, when it comes to March, then we're in with a shout. Well, we're not just in touching distance of Man City; we're five points clear of them still, um, which is what we, where we found ourselves in. Uh, during the World Cups which is crazy so yeah we we never actually um, thought we'd be able to be in this position and yeah people say about how we had that game in hand game in hand don't forget about the game in hand but you've got to win the game in hand and we have won the game in hand Um, and yeah it's, it's just great to see. Um, another thing that's important to maybe have a little think about is our goal difference as well. Um, that plus four today could really come into come in handy towards the end of the season. Um, as, as we see, Man City are on 39 for their goal difference, so we're on 33. So we've got a little bit of catching up to do to be able to um, match them for goal difference. But yeah, ultimately, we just want to get more points to them, don't we?
1: Yeah, exactly. You never know what it may come to. At the end of it and um, so to close that gap on goal difference could who knows um be quite crucial um we have also got to go away to the etihad as well so that's a, a tantalizing um fixture on the horizon we've got a, we've got a, an anfield trip haven't we we've got a, a fixture at st james's park so mm. after this sort of relatively okay ish run of games it does become quite tricky so I think now these next four or five games are where we really need to hopefully just um, get as many points on the board as possible and and put ourselves in in the best position I I don't want to think about City too much I just want to focus on ourselves and just try and do what we can do and hopefully um, Mm -hmm. other teams can help us out and take some points off City just to make us uh, leave a little easier
0: Well, I think that's something that we actually messed up on when we played City the first time, is we always had our eye on that game. We were too focused about, oh, City's coming, City's coming. And then we ended up, you know, dropping the ball against Everton and Brentford. And if we had won those two games, then we would have had an extra, what, four points? Um, and the City loss would have really not meant much at all. So we need to focus on ourselves, focus on the games that we've got coming up, make sure that we get maximum points from this, quote-unquote, easy-ish run. I uh, don't want to jinx anything. <laughs> and, yeah, if we can go into that tough run of fixtures with a comfortable cushion, maybe even just with this five-point cushion that we've still got now, then it's going to put us in really good stead going into that last eight or nine games of the season, and then it's just a straight shootout, really, isn't it? It's can we do better, better than City? All we have to do is, if we still have that five point cushion, is just level them or do better. And I think we're more than capable of doing that, especially against the the, the lower end of the table teams.
1: Yeah, exactly. And what's our next fixture? It's Bournemouth, isn't it? Bournemouth away. Yeah, Bournemouth, is that right, or is it home? <laughs> Think I think that, it's a think. way. It's a way, right? Well, <laughs> you'd like to think that's got to be that's got to be a it's got to be a likely win, hasn't it? Home or away, you've got to be beating the teams like Bournemouth. So, um well, oh, it's at yeah. home. Home. It's a, Just double checks. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Well, you know. Yeah. I wonder who City have got because that could be. I've I just said I don't want to worry about City and I'm now worried about what City of so, who, who am I trying to kid? Um, but, Let me have a look. Yeah, that's a, a very, very winnable game. Um, and, you know, it, it's coming at a good time as well. So, um,
0: yeah. do you think so, we'll, we'll rotate much for that? Or. Uh, I don't think we should. I don't think we need to either. I, f- I feel like the boys, they're not going to be feeling these little knocks and niggles really, are they? Because they're going to be high on confidence and you don't really feel as tired when you're you're scoring goals and you're helping the team win. So I feel like it's going to go with maybe the same team, potentially maybe party starting instead sort of... Um, Jorginho, Um, but there's no real need for me to to switch it up because we've played so efficiently and so well in these last two games. Um, I guess the only caveat to that is if there is any fitness issues, then he might be forced into a change, you know. But apart from that, uh, I can't see him changing at all. Uh, I've just double-checked, by the way, and uh, Man City have got Newcastle at the weekend. So (laughs) there's potential for them to drop points there. Well someone's dropping points at us around us. That's that's the good thing, isn't it? Um so
1: yeah, that that's that's good for us. Um another consideration is the fact that we've got the Europa League back um just four or five days after that game against Bournemouth. So um trying to to think what Arteta's thinking. Is he gonna be maybe looking at uh, rotating a little bit in the Premier League over Europa League, I don't think so. I think he's more likely to want to rotate in the Europa League. And for me, I hope he does because it's getting to that point now where I'm starting to think is the Europa League just going to be getting in the way for us? Um, is it is it something that we should be going all in for, or is it some is it something we should maybe be rotating heavily in? It's a hmm. it's a hard one. It's a hard one for me. I I don't quite know the answer. Um, but you know, I'd be interested to know your thoughts. Would would you rotate heavily, or would you bit
0: bit of both, a bit of a mix, or would you go full strength? Yeah. Well. We should definitely go for it because we're in the knockout stages of a European competition. Um, you know, We've not won a European competition in God knows how long. It's been so long. But equal to that, we've also not won a Premier League in about 20 years as well, which is, you'd probably say, more prestigious, especially against the Europa League. Maybe if it was the Champions League, then it's not to be sniffed out kind of thing. You'd want to go full strength in that. But for the Europa League, which is... Pretty much, it's a nice trophy and the real prize of the Europa League that everyone wants to win it for is to get that access to the Champions League. But it does look like, without jinxing it, we're probably going to qualify for that already in the league anyway. So there's not really really a massive reason for us to want to go whole hog in the uh, Europa League. But yeah, for me... I think Arteta, he's going to be completely tunnel vision focused on the Premier League. He's going to start probably the same team um, that he started this week um, against Bournemouth. And... I would be happy for him to make a few changes. Um, I, I still think he should leave some experience in there, but I feel like we're going to see the likes of Vieira starting maybe instead of Odegaard. Um, we're going to see Jorginho instead of Partey, uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, I, I don't, uh, Tommy Asu, I'm sure he'll play as well. Um, and probably probably Tierney as well. Um, I think Tierney's going to get some minutes just to save Zinchenko's legs a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see quite a few changes. Maybe not wholesale changes, but we'll see a few changes.
1: Yeah, I really want to see Key Viewer as well. You know, when you make a new signing and you just you just really want to see him for the first time, like like in season in the summer, and you you know, you just you're willing to wake up at four in the morning just to watch a stream in America just to see. <laughs> Jesus in an Arsenal shirt for the first time. It's like that with Kivior. I, I, I really want to see him. I even I watched him. Um, he played the first forty-five minutes for the under 21s the other day. Uh, with mm-hmm. Smiths Rowe as well, just to get some match fitness. And uh, he looks, he looks really quite promising. You know, he was absolutely pinging balls left, right, and centre, really accurately as well. Um, so uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to to see a, maybe a Kivior and holding. Um partnership against lisbon um yeah with Tierney and, and tommy asu I, th- I still think that back four is is of real high quality um mm should be more than capable of, of playing against a team like Sporting Lisbon.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree, but then at the same time I feel like if you change too much of your back four, um, there might, might be a bit too much of disruption um, to take out both centre-backs to to play Holding and Kivior who haven't played individually for a very long time um, and haven't played at all together, uh, to then also partner, partner them up with Tierney who's not played for a while Um, Tommy Asu who's had drips and drabs and I, I'm assuming we'll probably be starting Turner in this game, so it's it's pretty much a fresh new back five of players which haven't played together at all. It could be a recipe for disaster, and I know that uh, Lisbon we, we should be rolling them over, but that would be with our first team. Um, it's it's not going to be as easy to beat a cohesive team like Lisbon with a, a guy, a bunch of guys that have just been thrown together essentially. But I know I know what you mean. It would be it'd be great to see a shiny new signing, but I think maybe integrate him with a bit of experience as well. So either like a Saliba and Kivior or like a Zinchenko, Kivior and Holding, at least keeping some sort of structure there um but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see that um and i feel like we've definitely got the facilities to be able to go on and maybe get to the last stages of that um that competition Uh, it's Mm -hmm. worth noting as well it is two legs isn't it um so Mm -hmm. if it does go to part and we end up losing maybe one or two no, we can bring on the big guns for the second leg um so yeah there's always that it's it's also worth saying as well um Something I forgot about, forgot to speak about earlier actually is, um, how great it was to see Smith Rowe coming back onto the pitch. Um, I know we said that he was returning, mm. but to see him actually back on the pitch and playing was was amazing to see. And there was a, a massive roar of the Saka and Smith Rowe song, which has kind of been a bit absent recently. Um, and it was great to be able to sing that at the stadium as he's coming onto the pitch. Uh, yeah, just mm. filled my endorphins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really nice to hear, actually, because I think... Um...
1: Saka doesn't really have his own song, does he? So often that song gets sung for Saka, but it's it's a, a nice reminder that it's a joint song, and that is very much there for Smith Rowe as it is for Saka. So it's nice mm. for him to be able to hear that as he gets his uh, reintroduction. And yeah, he looked. I thought, I thought he looked pretty sharp. You know, um, he got into some dangerous positions, and uh, it was a nice little cameo from um, from Smith Rowe and. I could see sort of I could see that sort of old Smith row starting to come back a little bit in that brief you know spell that he had, but um
0: mm.
1: yeah, really, really excited to have him back and that that's gonna be I mean we said it back in January, didn't we it's gonna be huge for the second part of the season it's you know we're now in March and it's still not quite happened, but sort of it's better to not rush things and get it right, um especially with the sort of injury that that Smith-Rowe's had and I'm glad we took our time with it and thankfully we've been in a a position to be able to take our time with this one so yeah it's it's really good to see him back
0: yeah and talking about our um, uh, our, uh, signings from January and mixing that with players coming back we are in a position now where say once Jesus is back as well we could go into a game like against Sporting Lisbon and play Emil Smith-Rowe Fabio Vieira Eddie and Ketia, um, and then you've, you, you're have you literally resting Martinelli, Jesus and Saka, and you've still got, uh, and Trossard could play as well. So you, you've got four quality players who are all Premier League proven and more than capable to be able to tear a, a team apart like uh, spoiling Lisbon, whilst also resting top quality players as well so it just shows you how important it was for us to to get that bit of depth which i don't think we would have been able to achieve that with just spending all of our money on a mudrick so it, it was really clever business in the end from arsenal in arteta and um yeah we should just have our full faith in them and uh yeah buzzing
1: i know like i know exactly what you mean like I should never doubt. We should never doubt them ever again because there's just been hit after hit after hit. And even when you're thinking, "Oh, Jorginho, Chelsea aging player," I've seen this one before. It's not worked out well. But you know, this is this is Edu and Arteta that, that know what they're they're talking about. Um, and yeah, it's just yeah, it's just everything seems to be working. And you know, I remember at the start of the summer when we was heavily linked with Tielemans and it was almost like yeah i can see that working but and they've obviously delayed it and delayed it and now i don't think we're even interested at all and that's fine if if that's what they if they're not interested in this player then mm. i'll fully back them like i i i completely i'm completely you know in agreement with them if that's what they think so it's it's it is great because we've had so many stinkers over the years where you know we've signed mustafi for 35 million and everyone's like hang on a minute and socrates an aging play you know and and just Mm. absolute duffers and it was almost obvious to see um so it's, it's so nice to be able to and and also now we're going to be in a position of champions league football with the ability to attract even better players what what could that bring Arsenal? You know what could that bring Arsenal in the transfer window? It's going to be super super exciting, and I can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah, that is really going to um, elevate us to the next level. And there's players that we weren't able to attract before, the likes of um, Declan Rice, for example, who I think he had one eye on Chelsea, um, but then he I think Arsenal are now in the pole position to be able to get him just because we pretty much going to have Champions League football Chelsea look like they won't so it shows you how important that is Mm. and you know it might be going to a title winning team so there's no reason why we won't be able to be able to go in for players like that which we wouldn't have been able to do finishing eighth in the league like we did before so yeah it's really great just to be able to keep elevating our uh, performances whilst being able to elevate the calibre of transfers that we're also going to get and also talking about those defensive transfers that we had before. When you think back to when we had David Luiz, Socrates, Mustafi, Kolasinac in a back line and then you're looking at the players that we've got now like Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Tomiassu, Ben White, it, it just shows you that one of our uh, the, one of the main reasons why we actually have been so successful recently is because we sorted that defence out first. I think Arteta went to that mm. defence and he stopped shipping goals. And then more recently, we've been able to work more on our forward play. But, yeah, it, it, what a dreadful back line that was. I've got PTSD just hearing those names. <laughs> That's how it is, uh, it was dark times. It really, really was dark times. But you're so
1: right. Like he, he focused on the priorities that needed fixing first. So, yeah, he's, like you said, he stopped leaking the goals. And then he focused on on the wide forwards. You know, Pepe will not really doing what he was brought in for. Luckily, we had a, a, a wonder boy uh, sort of developing out of our academy. So, you know thank God he was there um, to fill those shoes Um, but it it just seemed everything just seems to have slotted into place and even when people were doubting him let's say for example with the Odegaard signing a lot of people were saying well he's been here on loan for half a season or whatever it was and um, didn't do amazing didn't dig up any you know didn't didn't do (laughs) he didn't shine the league apart let's be honest Um, but he, he stuck with him and even when he bought him in he still sort of developed him behind the scenes it took him a good few months to get into that team then now mm. we're seeing one of the best midfielders in the Premier League um, so he knows what he's talking about we've got an absolutely amazing manager um, Yeah, and you know I've, I've got absolutely full faith in him <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's it's okay. interesting as well because we um, at one point we had the pitchforks out for Arteta, not me personally, but the Arsenal fan base when he was finishing eighth in the league. Uh, a lot of Arsenal fans wanted him out, and. It was quite interesting because I heard um, an interview with Graham Potter, actually, who was in a lot of trouble at the minute, and he basically said, like, oh, well, look at Arsenal and look at what happened there. It took a long time for Arteta to be able to develop the team into how he wanted it to be, and... Um, let's not forget that he had two eighth place finishes. And then that's when he started to weed out all the bad eggs and be able to progress. And I think Sean Dyche echoed that as well in his post-match interview. He basically, he was really uh, he was praising Arsenal a lot in that post-match interview, basically saying like, yeah, we tried. We tried to set up the way that we did at home, but Arsenal—they're—they are where they are now because of how good they are, and they were really good in this game. And a lot of that is down mm. to Arteta and his. And props to Arteta, basically, and he was full of praise for us, yeah. and mainly Arteta, and saying that um, it has taken a few seasons and a lot of teams tend to forget that they're they're too quick to pull the trigger on these young managers until they give them enough time to be able to develop a team into what could be a title winning Mm. team so yeah we're in a really good place at the minute we've got a great manager great ideas a lot of really talented players who are all young so they're only going to get better and it looks like Mm. we can attract even better players in our next summer transfer window so it's all to be enjoyed at the minute
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is just before we finish up, because I'm conscious that we're on 51 minutes now, um, but it, I do find it quite funny that Graham Potter is trying to use the Arteta sort of blueprints to try and keep himself in a job. Because let's not forget, Mr. Mr. Potter, that you've been given over half a billion pounds to sign new players, um, and they're not performing. And also... Arteta won an FA Cup in his first season. It's not like he's he it he was absolutely dreadful. Um you know from the get-go you could see the signs straight away all Arsenal fans could see it. Um but yeah I do find it quite funny that he's trying to use the whole Arteta thing to to keep himself in a job but I hope he stays in the job yeah. to be honest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's definitely living on borrowed time isn't he I, th- I feel like his days are numbered as a Chelsea coach and I even thought that when he f- was first leaving Brighton where they were in the table I think they were like sixth or seventh in the table and I thought why would you leave Brighton to go to Chelsea I know it's a it's a much bigger team but everybody knows the way that Chelsea acts with their managers they, they have them for a season or two if they do really well it doesn't even matter if they do really well as soon as they have a bit of a bad patch they're gonna go they're gonna get sacked so I feel like Mm. Potter was really comfortable at Brighton and he was given licence to pretty much do whatever he wanted with the club and they were progressing really well. So, yeah, it's quite funny to see (laughs) but <laughs> well, Chelsea are you just nosediving down the table, aren't they? And yeah, amazing to see that, especially with how much money they have spent on players and how they stole Mudrick from us and he's doing badly. Amari Hudson wanted to go there because he felt like he'd have a better yeah. chance at progressing in that team when they've already got forty seven other forwards. So yeah, brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Eject it right in nice <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Okay, well, um, I think that's
1: pretty much everything for the game and also some extra little bits added on there at the end. Is there anything else that you you forgotten
0: to talk about or anything you want to add? No, I think we've covered just about everything. I just want to reiterate how amazing it is to be able to go to the Emirates and how fortunate I, I, I was to be able to actually watch them. So, yeah, uh, I'm really happy about that and uh, absolutely buzzing.
1: Well, okay, so that concludes another episode of the Arsenal Ramble. We hope you enjoyed the show Uh, and don't forget to tune in next time for more action, analysis and chat from the world of Arsenal. If you've got any comments or suggestions, feel free to reach us um, on Twitter. Our handle is at ArsenalRamble underscore. Bye for now. Take care. Catch you next time. You're listening to the
0: Arsenal Ramble.